0: Hey everybody, welcome, welcome to Arise and Shine. It is March 5th and it's Saturday, it's Saturday. I don't know about you, but this week was long. It was a long week, but I am so excited about what we're gonna talk about today and who is in the house. Because the anthology, Her War II, it couldn't be more predestined. It couldn't be more perfect than timing, given what's going on in the world today. So I ask you to go ahead and share this broadcast. Send it out to everyone you know. We are literally watching a war evolve as we speak. We don't stop often enough to consider how it impacts the family as well as the warriors. And sometimes by family enlisting, and I say this uh, because I'm in a family of military servants, but sometimes a family member will enlist and you'll feel as though, you know, just that person enlisted, at least from the outside looking in, people feel that way. But I'm here to tell you that when someone in your family enlists, you enlist too by default the wives, the children, the husbands, the children, the cousins, everyone that's impacted by the leadership in that family that has enlisted gets impacted by the enlistment itself. So I want to bring on the visionary. I want to bring on the visionary of Her War II, Vaughn Griggs. I want to share the stage with her and her authors to let you know about Her War II and the projects um, that have come from it. Before I do that, I want to bring on one of the other authors to share the stage that's involved in day-to-day, the day-to-day of being in the military. And that is Lady Felice Kelly Gillum. Come join me, Felice hey good morning good
1: morning hello hello, best-selling author how are you i am wonderful how are you this morning tanya i am great i'm great i was just
0: saying that you know everybody gets impacted when one person enlists in the military it's like it, it it engulfs the entire family and maybe even outside of the immediate family i mean am i on point with that
1: You are absolutely correct. Um, From the moment uh, a service member signs their name on the dotted line at MIPS, it becomes a family experience. If they're young, 17, 18, right out of high school, it's an experience for their families, their mothers, right? I'm letting my baby go off into the world for the first time, but I'm letting them go off to Uncle Sam, you know, not to college or where where I can come and be in control of the situation, so absolutely, um, it definitely is a family assignment. And then when you start looking at um, spouses that are and, and parents that are in the process of having someone to deploy, it definitely takes a toll on the entire family. And I think as civilians, a lot of us don't think about uh, how the holistic part of being in the military affects everyone.
0: Yeah, it re- it really does. I want I want to bring up uh, a couple of your colleagues to share um, in this. I know I'll bring up Karen and Angela, so they can both chime in. Karen's Karen, your history in the military, family wise and otherwise, goes back quite a ways, doesn't it?
2: Oh yeah. Well, I actually. Um... Well, I actually started my first job was on, you know, on a military base here in, on Keesler, Keesler Air Force Base. So uh, working in the medical field, working at the hospital for uh, some years there. And then, of course, my husband was in the Coast Guard and then the uh, Army. And so we traveled to Germany, spent five years over there and then uh, Arizona. And so as a spouse, you uproot. And you you follow you are you're basically a team uh, when when the uh, spouse is in the military you know so yeah it's it's something that you have to realize and my my husband was actually called to um, his uh, battalion was called to uh, I think Iraq uh, during the uh, time frame Desert Storm and I had literally just had my third baby uh, by C-section. And uh, I always say fortunate. Uh, At the end of the day, I was very fortunate that my chaplain, because I worked for the chaplains at the time, um, I was fortunate that he was able to get my husband to stay because I actually had to have a, um, a partial hysterectomy right behind that. Uh, and that probably was due to all the running around we had to do uh, to get him ready for desert yeah. storm. Uh, so yeah, so I really, um, it really is a team effort in the family. You're when you're overseas, uh, a lot of those women feel very alone. You know, they're very. It, it can be a lonely journey, but it's what you make of the time that you're serving alongside of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. That that's real powerful. Angela, did you want to chime in about that impacting more than just you? you
1: know? Oh
3: yes, De- it definitely. It does impact more than just um, just that one person. And you know, um, I come from a family of you know uh, military service from my uh, grandfather. My dad, and then after me, my my daughter. But it impacts all of us, and myself being a dual military, married to a service member, um, with children. You know, we had to rely on um, you know um, our family and friends when we both had to be gone. Uh, to be there for us uh, with that family support uh, plan to be able to care for, you know, our dependents while we were deployed or on a field assignment. So it, it it's, it's a family affair, uh, you know, uh, with the military. So, yes.
0: Yeah, it truly is. I remember sitting waiting because I got mobilized and I was at Fort Meade with orders waiting to to go out to desert storm and I was part of a medical group mm-hmm. on the 309th out of Fort Totten. And um, we missed going by this much. For some reason there was a change and I ended up not going. But I was when I was sitting there, I was thinking to myself, nobody knew because everything happened so quickly, nobody knew that I was in that position. I was 19 years old. I was scared mm-hmm. to death. and um, my family would have found out after I was there. My mom didn't find out that I was almost there until I got back to the house. She's like, "What?" But you know, <laughs> when you're that young and we think about, you know where our children are being, it's just so different mm-hmm. now. You know, um, there's social media, there's ways of contact, there's things that we take for granted now that weren't in place then. So the fact that you could disappear and go to war and nobody really know about it, it it boggles the mind. But yeah, that was a reality. You just brought that back when you said that. Woo, (laughs) scary. Let me have Nicolette come up and share too about how, you know, this whole thing. It's another one of the best-selling co-authors. Um, Nicolette, share with us how it impacts more than just the person that enlists. What's your take on that?
4: Well, coming from fourth-generation military, my mom had to correct me the other day. My great-grandfather was in World War One. My grandfather, World War II in the Korean War. My father... In um, Vietnam and Desert Storm, and then myself dealing with a- Iraqi Freedom. So I've been an Air Force brat. You know, my mother's had a military ID her whole life; she's never been without it. So I understand from a dependent standpoint, you know, us having to move, you know, all over the world, and even from a sponsor standpoint, and um, when you're deployed, you're leaving your family there. And, you know, it's hard to, you know, not be able to communicate with them because of the type of work that you're doing. So it is a whole family effort. You know, like Kern was saying, you know, your spouse gets orders, you got to move, you know, the whole family moves. And so we do have to work together. It, it It's a strain, but you it can be done. Yeah,
0: I agree. It really is. Guys. I want you to know, um, I, I'll i give you, well, what I'll do is I'll toss them the mic because I couldn't give it enough justice to tell you the power behind this project. Um, the people that have spoken already, their backgrounds are so rich um, in what they do from day to day. Uh, I'm sure, I know for me, the path that I'm on has directly been impacted by the 10 and a half years that I spent in the military. It comes through with everything that I do, how I organize things, how I interact with people, my ability to um, not meet a stranger, I believe comes from my time in the military. And I would love for each one of you, if you could share a little bit of who you are right now and, and um, what you're doing and how your time in the military or your family's time has impacted who that person is today. Um, I don't know who wants to start. Felice, would you like to
1: start? Definitely. I'll be glad to start. Uh, Obviously, being the executive director of USO Gulf Coast, I have not myself personally served. But one thing that working with the military so closely for the past 15 years has taught me that it is all about mission first. And I have had to um, basically align my my life, my family life and my family structure around that same mentality, you know, mission first. Because when the military calls, you go. It doesn't matter what you had planned for that day. If they call and they say you have an assignment, you have to go. And it's been very much like that for me um, at the USO. If we get a call, then it's mission first and we make ourselves available. That's who we are and that's what we do. So that's probably what um, it's taught me about the most because being Um, raised in a family to where, you know, everything that I had was basically at my, at my front door. I wasn't missing any opportunities. Um, And I was used to coming and going and doing the things um, based on my own agenda. So to be able to take all of that and to know there's a time that you have to stand down because there's something that's more important then what you want to do um, was an invaluable experience. And I think that is what working so closely with the military has taught me over the past 15 years, is that when duty calls, um, because it does, there are people that are putting their lives on the line every single day for this country, we have to be prepared to stand down and to meet their needs.
0: That's so on point, so on point, Felice. And I have worked with Felice. I'm about to squeeze her in person for the first time in just a little bit, but I have worked with her on a few projects. And I will tell you, as a former military person, she is no joke when she, stuff's got to be in order. We kind of share that in our personnel. Stuff's got to be in order or it it, it ain't going to fly, right? So another, another magnanimous woman that functions in that same space, I believe they call her the the queen of butts in the seats, um, (laughs) is Miss Karen Cherry. Karen, why don't you enlighten us to how this wonderful person that you function as today has come about because of your Her War Two experience?
2: Well, A couple of things I do want to say, um, being a spouse in the military uh, and being from a military town, uh, it did did enlighten us on, allowed me to figure out what our soldiers actually do and some of the things that they go through. So when you're living it, you know, when you're here and you see the military guys all the time, you know, you really, you just go about your day to day. But once you're Uh, part of the military as a spouse, you kind of get a better idea of the things they go through. But for me, you know, for events wise, and most people know I create events, I actually started producing events in Germany. Uh, The chaplain that I worked for was the head chaplain for the general, and he liked to make sure that the community the uh, military was involved in the community so we produced uh events there for the community i was fortunate uh that uh he just you know he's one of those people you're on my team so this is what you're gonna be doing whether you know what you're doing or not so you figure out what's protocol and itinerary and being a young person in my 20s i'm like i don't know none of this so you know i got really close and personal with my with the general secretary uh, because that's you know that's where we function so that was one of the things the other thing being in Germany uh, I think allowed me to realize that you know a lot of times we think we have to be around the corner to get to work or whatever once you're overseas and stuff you realize everything is not around the corner and you need to make some adjustments in life if you're going to function, you can either close off like some of the military women did and, and spend time. You know, I was there in the 80s. So a lot of we didn't have all the digital stuff we have now. You know, so some of those young ladies would drive their phone bill up to twenty five hundred dollars trying to watch uh, soap operas through the phone. Uh, but for me, it was like I'm not spending twenty five hundred on that. I'm going to get a life. You know, and I'm going to find a job and that's what I did. But it allowed me to realize that I can drive anywhere, you know, to work and come back and be able to still enjoy my family life. You know, I just had to accept that I had to travel. So when I'm back, when I got back to the States, when we had to drive an hour and a half to go to school, to college in order to get our degree, it was like, okay, this is a little more but we had to make that adjustment mentally in order to do it. And then my kids, all three of them, they love traveling. My son is just hooked on it, I think. But anyway, they love they love traveling because um, they got a chance to enjoy a little piece of the world as a kid. And so now as adults, they, they incorporate it into their lifestyle. And I like that because I think the world has to be shrunken uh, and that's that happens when you start to travel travel outside your comfort zone.
0: That's the truth. That's a different perspective altogether too that that's a reality and you're right, a lot of people got stuck. I think when you said that, running up the phone bill for the soap operas,
2: <laughs> like, oh my goodness, <laughs> it was crazy. They were yeah. either going home they were going home because they just couldn't, they just didn't know how to make the adjustment. And I understood that, but you know, calling your mom and sitting on the phone for hours and hours, you know, it's just, that's not my personality, but a lot of women, they just didn't know how to make the adjustment overseas. Yeah. And,
0: and, here's Doris being transparent saying I had an $800 bill once calling home to my mama, you know, I mean, and, and you think about the reality of it. I mean, we talked before the show about, you know, the PTSD and evolution of, you know, what that disease is. And then now how we have social media, we didn't have all that stuff back then. So to be literally torn from your, your normal life and not, and be in surroundings that you're not familiar with, you may end up spending a thousand dollars just to be in touch with what you know, until you realize, Oh my goodness, I can do this. I can stand on my own. I will be okay. You know, but we, we have to go through these ouches to get to the other side of reality. Right. I wanted to, um, bring before you chime in, um, uh, Angela and Nicolette. I wanted to bring our visionary in the room so she can take part in the conversation too, because she's sitting there soaking it all up in the green room. Come on up in here, Vaughn. Good morning, beautiful.
5: Good morning. Good morning, everyone.
0: (laughs) It's good to see you. It's good to see you.
5: We were talking about it's great to be here. Oh my God. It's great to be here. Yeah. Well,
0: your vision for this project um, and, and it's my understanding there's a volume two coming out. We're going to, we're going to share that link in a little bit because that is super exciting. And people, I know I spoke to the other day and people are already knocking on the door wanting to be a part of volume two, which I think to God be the glory. um, That is just amazing. But we were talking about, you know, this project and it bringing people to terms with who they are now and how the their part in the military has impacted the picture of the person that they are today. And um, I would love if Nicolette and, and Angela don't mind, I would love to get Vaughn's take on that because that inspired This whole thing, I believe, is, you know, Vaughn, the woman that you are today in your journey, pull that together for
5: us. Oh, my. There are so many similarities. Looking back, I didn't know all that the military conditioned me for or trained me for, but there are so many similarities from my professional career. I still offer the same services uh, for business-to-business corporations as I did uh, that the military trained me in wing and ground safety, uh, preventing incidents and accidents from happening, keeping our mission personnel ready to serve. That's what I do today. Uh, As you see, I'm coming in from a hotel. I've been on the road for the last three weeks, The military taught me to keep a backpack and be ready to go. We had to be (laughs) mission ready, trained, ready to project 18 hours. We could be anywhere, 18 hours. So I have learned to do that. I learned to, um, uh, my my children are telling me I'll talk to a tree. I will talk to a a signpost. (laughs) Uh, Wow. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... Uh, This morning I shared a video. So here I am in the hotel in Austin, Texas, and I see all of these foreigners sitting at breakfast and I'm looking and I, okay, Southwest is coming in, South by Southwest is coming in. I said, maybe these are the organizers for the event coming in next week. And I said, well, wait a minute, they kept coming out the elevator. And this is a group of men, I said. These men look to be Italian. So here I go. Now I'm from St. Louis to show me state, and I'm always uh inquisitive. So I go over and I ask, I say, good morning, guys. Uh, what brings you to Austin, Texas? Well, how about these are men that are racing Ferraris this weekend? And what was so amazing, I only saw one African-American, so you know I had to migrate over to him. And that's what the military taught me. Why? Because I had to interview people. I had to know what yeah. was going on, why they we were not yeah. reporting for duty. And uh, even as what we're facing right now, God knows that Many of us can relate to those deployments, those family separations, the uh, undecided future that someone else is making the determination for us. All we know is that we raise our right hand and we swore confirmed to defend the Constitution of the United States. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. And that's what we put our trust. And so I don't miss an opportunity to get to know people, to pray for people. Hey, what brings you here? How's life happening today? And that's that's something the military taught me, um, yeah, to uh, be aware of who's in your surroundings and be willing to have conversation with them because we never know day-to-day moment what people are going through. And so I, I'm going to be that connector. I'm going to be the one that's inquisitive. Hey, what brings you here? How are you doing? And it, it shows up. It doesn't, doesn't mean that I plan for it. It just shows up.
0: That's awesome. And And look what's birthed from that. Look, volume one, soon to come volume two, of you being the connector and uniting women to tell their story. And some of the stories, I mean, let's be truthful. Some of the stories are difficult. They're not easy stories to tell. Um, Every journey is, you know, every journey is their own. But I will say this, I kind of, I feel safe in saying this out loud and saying that the Me Too movement Started long ago in the military with, you know, trying to get attention to certain things that were happening, but it got mm. shut down by the powers that be. But it it that's nothing new to military women because right. some of the walks and the journeys that they've been through, um, it, it would make your your skin. I mean, I'm. Messed up just trying to even dance around it. But some of the things that we have walked through and can confess to making it through were worse than the actual war because it was it was internal attacks from people that you thought you could trust. So this this project you guys is phenomenal in that it brings things to light um, so that you're aware that yes, it's her war too, but sometimes the war is at home. And that's the reality of it. Sometimes the war is at home. So, you know, I would love to hear from Nicolette and Angela on these amazing, these amazing two women. I mean, everybody here is doing their thing in such a passionate way. Um, So I want to know what the military had to do to shape the phenomenon that you are today. Either one of you, feel free to just step up.
3: Okay. Well, uh, I, I, okay. I will tell you, thank you. Um, you know, it, the, it has taught me and brought me the, the, you know, um, that confidence, uh, the, um, the motivation um, to, to do uh, to do the things um, uh, that I see that wasn't um, right to step up, be a voice um, with that and um, I had to get there and just to see that a lot of things weren't right and and it taught me that and you know the um I want to say to uh, Vaughn just say a thank you to her just for, you know, being a part of this anthology and getting my story out there. And she's like, no, you need to share. You need to tell your you have went through this because I myself as a, a military um, retired um, a warrant officer and on the officer side, I'm an officer, I'm a female and I'm black. So there's three strikes there already against yes, me.
4: Ma'am.
5: Yes, So
3: ma'am. Um, it was difficult. And sometimes we don't want to go back and relive that, but we need to. I know I did so that I can get through it, go to that next step and next level and be able to help someone else um, with right. that that's going through some similarities or the same uh, situation uh, with that. So, it, um, you know, it taught me that discipline and the discipline for sure um as being in the, in the military, my service, the discipline to stay on that course, to make sure um, that whatever I was trying to accomplish, trying to get done or see happen, mm-hmm. that I stayed the course and, um, yeah. and it did. And that's how I came on, became, on oh my got on that road to become a one officer because I'm looking at it's like, oh no, that ain't right. And oh, you, if you're in this position, you're this, And you can tell me what to do and I have no say. I just have to do it or anything. If I'm in this position or within this, you know, this group, then I have a say. I can be a part of that. Well, then that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I did. It wasn't easy, but it was I accomplished it and was able to have a say and be a part of, you know, the decision making that um, involved me. And other, you know, and other soldiers. So um I, I'm grateful for that piece as far as the discipline, the motivation and the strength, you know, uh to keep moving forward um with um my m- uh my goals and my morals. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. And um so that's that's what it's done for me. And again, thank you, Vaughn, for being that visionary to help us get all of this out.
0: Yes. Yes. that That's so powerful, Angela, because um, while you were speaking, I just got a visual of a military woman in the stance, that position uh, that we take. And I was just talking about this the other day with someone of uh, the stance where that one foot is just a, you know what I'm talking about, just a little bit in front of the other one and, and you just ready. You have that, and that's what you made me see while you were talking. You know, I've got the kind. gave me the confidence. It gave me the the feeling that I can fight for myself. That I will not um, be silenced. That you know, and and if you somebody said this the other day, that made me laugh. She said, "I have that, but then I got a little bit of ratchet too. That you know, when you come from the neighborhood, you have that stance, but then you have that." You know, you got the stance and then you, come on, what, 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 right? So if you have that professional stance of confidence that the military gave you and you shake a little bit of home on top of that, you know, you got to keep that. You got to remember where you came from. That partnered with the experiences that God has put you in gives you the ability to go, what? oh no, my father told me that, that's mine. He told me that, uh-uh, no, you can't say that. I'm the King's kid, right? So I love that. You you made my morning, cause that, yeah, I'm ready now. I'm ready. Nicolette, how do you feel about the amazing woman that you are today, the career, everything, and how it has been impacted by Her War too, you being involved in the project, how how is has all of that shaped you?
4: Well, I think uh part of the woman that I've become now is from being, you know, a military brat and a military officer, I definitely had to learn flexibility and adaptability. Um, again, you know, my dad could go off TDY, you know, we we had to still, you know, work within the confines of the family, knowing, okay, well, daddy's not here for a while. Um, even, you know, being I'm in the military myself going on deployment, you know, my husband and daughter had to, you know, do things without me. And it also, you know, enhanced my leadership skills, you know, because the military teaches all of us to be leaders, no matter what your rank is. We're all leaders. And it right. also helped me to um, expand on my writing skills. Uh, one of the positions I had is I used to um you know draft policies like federal register notices policies dealing with you know underserved areas and i remember my mentor telling me um she was the 06 she was like nicolette not many of us get these opportunities to work in a policy office and that was so true and another um, office that i was assigned to i used to write um speeches, you know, for the director. I'd write her talking points. I would write, you know, white papers for her, but I wasn't allowed to go to those meetings because I was the wrong color. Mm. I, I could do all the writing for her, but I could not go to those meetings because of my color. And I think I was like an 04 then at that time. <laughs> so can wow. you imagine, you know, doing those work, those kind of works, and she takes a white intern with her. You know, so, um, you know, like Angela was saying, you know, being an officer in the military, being female and being black, there were some challenges. You know, people felt threatened by you because of, you know, your education or your rank. Um, People didn't want to um, train you because they were intimidated by you. And. I have the same mindset of I'm here to learn just like you, you know, this is not going to be my forever job when I grow up. I'm just here to do my assignment and then move on to the next assignment. And the last thing I think um, being a military brat definitely um, helped me later years is to embrace other cultures, to, you know, make friends with people who don't look like me. And I think that was very important. I don't want to say my age, but when I was growing up, I had some friends of other cultures where we could play in their yard, but we couldn't go in their house Mm. because pretty much it it was the father um, didn't like Blacks. Some friends we had of other cultures, we couldn't even play in their yard. They could come over to our house but we couldn't even get in the yard. And then uh, say in other cases, let alone if we got in the yard, we definitely could not go in the house. They made that clear to us. No, my father doesn't like y'all. You know, you can't go into the house. So, you know, I really developed a respect for other cultures, other ethnicities, because you have to share yourself, your culture with others so they can understand you. You know, we're always stereotyped as different ways. But when you interact with other people from other cultures, they can see, okay, well, all black folks aren't like that. You know, all black women aren't loud. All black women aren't angry. You know, all black women aren't, you know, in a submissive attitude. And so that's one thing I really appreciate, you know, from traveling all over the world as a um, military brat and then a military officer, you know, interacting with people from different you know, races, cultures, ethnicities. So I feel real, well-rounded not saying all my friends look like us because, you know, some races do, all their friends look like them. But I'm, you know, happy to say that all my friends do not look like me. And we understand and appreciate the differences that we bring into our friendships.
0: That's awesome. I hope that you guys can hear me. I'm getting a message that my camera is not available, but it ain't stopping me. So if you can hear me, just wave. Awesome. Because we're going to keep rocking and rolling. Technology ain't got this girl. So look, let's talk about, and thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Nicolette. Let's talk about what I want to go to next. Dr. Karen, Ooh, Karen, soon to be Dr. Karen, <laughs> can you share um, the title of your chapter and why you chose that title?
2: Oh, so my title uh, was uh, I, "I was Lord." I can't even remember exactly. Uh, "By His Side Too," uh, and I chose that because, from the uh, from the spouse standpoint, Well, no, it was I served by his side, too. And I said that because I feel like military people, uh, the spouses, serve as well. You literally giving up uh, what you're doing and following along with the military person as well. Now, if you're, you know, some people kind of stay in place, but a lot, most of the spouses, particularly the wives, they will uh, make their plan exit. And they will travel with their husband wherever they're stationed if they're allowed to do that. There are some remote locations that you're not able to go to. And that, you know, those are typically shorter stays anyway. Uh, So, but you're really doing the same thing they're doing. You're giving up your career. You're putting it on side or you're um, uh, changing location. Maybe you're fortunate enough that your job will transfer to your next location, but most of the time it does not. So you, you know, for me, uh, my plan was to finish nursing during that time. I'm not sure what it is now, but there was no way to go and do any kind of nursing or anything in the medical field while we were over overseas. And so, um, so you you really have to make that adaptation. So I wanted to show how. Even though uh, we were traveling and giving up everything, the family still remained together. We still uh, worked as a team uh, traveling together, uh, whether it was uh, in Germany or Arizona, it still was as a family team.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. that Guys, if you don't get this book, I'm going to tell you. The link is it's a really big link, but it's in the comments. Click on the link in the comments. There's two big links in the comments. One to join the project that's coming, volume two. Yes, there's gonna be another one. You didn't miss the show, you can still get involved. And then click on the link to purchase the book. And each one of these co-authors, which by the way, I will share with you, they are all best-selling authors, right? If you are partial to one or the other, click their link and get the book from them, right? One of the great things about being involved in an anthology, and the visionary author knows this because it's one of the reasons they do the project, is for each one that's invested in this project to be able to, you know, have a little ROI, make some money as well for the investment of their story, right? It's no shame in talking about making a little bit of change, right? We need to change that mindset altogether. When you put yourself into something, it's okay to get paid for your time, your effort, and your story. So if you feel in your heart special towards one of the authors, go to her link and get the book and then have her sign, have her autograph it for you, okay? Um, So- Nicolette, what's the name of your chapter, sweetie? And why did you name it that?
4: The name of my chapter is called Officers Off the Rails. And I named it that because the COs that I was under, they, they were just like off their rockers. It, it was a really um, toxic work environment. And so, you know, that's what came to mind when I started to put, you know, pen to paper. Definitely, um I think most of us can, you know, definitely understand when you're in a toxic work environment where, you know, your COs, um, for some reason, mine, I truly believe discrimination and um, working on an advanced degree really aggravated them. I was the only uh, Black female officer in that, you know, particular unit. And it, it was horrible. Just to be able to share the story and let other women know who've been in this position that you don't have to be silent. You can overcome it. It was a good four years after I retired that I would even talk about this particular um, part of my military career. And then when I did, it was only to a select few people. And so, you know, I thank Bond for giving me this um, broader platform to actually let, you know, women know that regardless of what happens, you know, keep your faith in God, um, mm-hmm. you know, You'll see your close friends, the ones who are really for you. When when stuff go down, you'll see who really are your friends. I mean, uh, one of my friends that you know helped me during that process, she'll still you know call me, and she'll be like, "Nike, you know so and so talking about you know you got kicked out of PHS." I was like, "Do you want me to send a copy of my ID that expiration date says indefinitely?" I retired. I got a medical retirement. And so you learn, you know, during these tough times, who your friends are, the people who I thought were my friends. Oh, they took five steps back from me because they didn't want to be involved. But it really shows, you know, true friends. Um, I talk about one part in the book where a friend of mine, we worked in the same unit and, you know, we couldn't go to those high level meetings because we were the wrong color. And so um, she called me. She always calls me lieutenant, even though I was a commander. She, When she first met me, I was a lieutenant. She said, Lieutenant, you can go ahead and have your pity party tonight. You can, you know, okay. snot, cry, roll on the floor. But tomorrow I want you to get up and fight. Don't let them mm-hmm. win. Get up and fight. And so I really appreciate that. You know, having a friend to tell me, you know, it's OK to have your pity party but in the end, you know, pull put on your big girl panties and fight. And so I'm yeah. so grateful, you know, for Bond letting me have this opportunity to let other, you know, Black females, especially in the military, know that you can fight. You have a voice. You don't have to, you know, take their little severance package that they want to give you. You can say, no, I'm I came in with some benefits. I'm going to leave with some benefits. So definitely, you know, I appreciate, you know, Vaughn giving me that voice. I think the rest of us can, you know, definitely um, feel that because sometimes you feel powerless. But when you put voice to something that you felt ashamed or embarrassed about, it no longer has power over you. So I, I'm grateful to tell my story. Can't wait for volume, two because y'all know I got another story on that, too. So <laughs> I will be back.
0: Awesome. Once again, I'm sitting here going. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Angela, please let us know what's the name of your chapter and why
4: you picked it.
3: Okay, yes. Uh, First, I just want to say to uh, Nicolette, I love your story, and I am so glad you stayed that course. Uh, Yes. Uh, So my chapter is Courage, uh, Making Your Seat at the Table. Um, Mm -hmm. And I chose that because, and that was on my my journey to becoming a a warrant officer and, and how I got to that point. And um it was that being an enlisted, I was I was pulled before my commander and that one officer that needed my expertise in that field um to go on a um a training exercise. And I'm still on convalescent leave and you know that from a from giving birth and they wanted me to cut that short. And I, I didn't think that was right. And it was a complicated birth, you know, so um and I'm fighting this. No, I'm not. But in the end I did lose. I lost that fight, you know, where I had to go and then coming back. Okay. Oh, we'll give you that time back. Well, no, you can't give me that time back because right. I'm gone. And um, so, um, so I had to go, i went and I did my duty. And I, and I, I go back to think about what Felice had said earlier in the interview about, you know, when duty calls, you know, you know, we have to do, we have to go and we have to do those things. And that's what I did. But coming back, I don't always have to do those things. So I thought in my mind, I'm looking, I have these two people standing in front of me and they're making these decisions saying, this is what I'm going to do. And I don't have a, I don't have a say, I don't have anything in that. Well, then I'm going to become one of these, one of these people so that I can have a say at that table, have a say of what's going on, some type of, you know, a part in what's going to happen to me, my journey, my career and what I'm going to do. And that's how um, I came up with my title uh, for the book, because that was a uh, a hard journey for me in the military, uh, with my military career, to become that uh, one officer and to have more say at the table, to have more say with things going on around me. And I just felt that, you know, nobody, you're just not going to have that final say to say, hey, this is it. This is what you're going to do. And that's it. No, I'm going to have a say in that. If I want to do it, I will. If not, I will tell you how I'm going to get to that point to do it. So, um, and that's what happened. So, um, um, in that career, my um, officer career, it was... Rocky to say the least, but my point was I got the point across. I was able to open up to other people and help them along the way, also. So um, just always know that you don't have to accept what's put before you and that be the final. Uh, statement, that's the final say, so that's the final stamp. It's not until what you want, if that's, what's going to work for you and that's what you want to accept. So you make a seat at the table and stand for what you believe in and what you have to offer to, um, you know, to that, um, to what you believe in. So, and that's, that's, that's my, that was my, um, Goal and reason for my my chapter. And I have a lot more to say. And that's why I'm on uh, her war too. So, yes.
0: (laughs) I I love it. I love it. A shameless plug. I love it. I think um, it's so awesome and at the same time mind blowing because a lot of people see the military and they see, you know, that, 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 and everything. We're taught the chain of command, we're taught this is how it's supposed to go. And if there's any um, organization or, I guess, system in the world that we are made to feel like we can't buck or challenge, it's the military, right? So for you to have, as I guess Barack Obama would say, the audacity, right, and the courage to say no. You too, Nicolette. You too, <laughs> Lady Vaughn, even doing this book. Because I know everybody ain't happy about these stories, right? But that's too bad. That's what makes them so good. They're the truth, right? To, to buck the system and say, yes, there is structure for that. And we recognize there is a chain of command. There is structure. Those things need to exist in the world that we live in. But that doesn't mean that everything you do is right. And that doesn't mean that all the actions that you take are okay. So to have the audacity and the courage to actually say that and put it in writing and live it and walk it, I have the utmost respect for you women. I really do because, you know, this 19 year old wasn't bucking anybody's system. You know, I was just going to stay in my pro in my, in my, uh, what do you call it? Push up position. I think he held me there. I don't know how many minutes before I fell out, but you know, I wasn't going to push back and say, this is bad. This is, you know, you shouldn't be doing this to me. I was just determined to prove them wrong and that I was supposed to be there and I was going to make it and I was going to finish. And, you know, but to, to be an officer and say, oh no, sir, you will not, you cannot, that's that's explosive to me, like, whoa, check this chick out. She's really, excuse the French, got a pair, right? So I thank <laughs> you, I thank you for being <laughs> an example to let other women know. You know, you can stand up for yourself, you can stand in that stance and push back. And it's okay, even in the military, it's okay. So I appreciate you and salute you for that, most definitely. Miss Felice, your chapter, what what, what brought out about the name?
1: What's the name and
0: what brought it about?
1: The name of my chapter for this anthology is Being a Force Behind the Forces. And it really could not have been more appropriate uh, because one of the taglines for the USO is uh, Be a Force Behind the Forces we started that campaign several years ago to just be able to get Americans to really realize what their role is in supporting the military. And it's for all of us to come together and be a force behind the forces. So uh, with this particular anthology, it really was a great um, chapter name for me because that's what I talk about in my chapter is how, I, as executive director of the USO, was able to leverage my position with the company to be a force to be able to assist service members and their families as they transition through their military careers. And the USO starts uh, from the MEPS process. We're there, we're in MEPS facilities. So we want to make sure that from the time you're a new recruit, that the USO is visible and there on the ground for you all up until you transition out uh, of the military. And my chapter just goes into some of those stories, um, especially the ones that have touched me the most that I have been able to impact people when a lot of them were in some of the scariest parts uh, of their lives. Uh, And for me to be able to be a vessel of support to them was invaluable.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, the force behind there's always a force behind the force. Right? There's always a force. For me it's it's G-God, but you know, it, it, that's the ultimate force behind the force. But um when you're working on something, I think all of us here as leaders and and I I'm, I'm going to let our visionary have the last word, but I will say this before I toss it a to mic. All of the women that are sitting before me right now will acknowledge. And and I think this is what makes you guys such great leaders that there is a force behind you. And sometimes the position changes based on the season, but you always have a force behind you. Like like I know, Karen, one of her strongest things behind her is her family. She has a beautiful family and they support her and what she does. And a lot of times she wouldn't be able to complete some of the stuff she does if it wasn't for her family. And I'm sure some of you could say the same thing. Um, So there's always a force behind the force. And this project is gonna help people realize that they haven't gotten it already and they read it, that um, there is a force behind our military that makes them so great there is a force there. So Vaughn, I want to give you the spotlight so you can talk to us about what you want people to walk away with when they read this anthology and
5: what your expectations are for volume two. I want women to know that they're not alone as you said uh, some of what we've had we've experienced this over generations with the her war ii movement many of us remember the scandal tailhook that was given the exposure of the sexual crimes av women right you all remember that some of us can remember uh, some of our senators have fought for those bills to pass. Even as Angela's talking, I, uh, you know, my my heart is rich because here was two men that knew that she was on convalescent leave. That was a medical condition where she could have gone forward and hemorrhaged to death. Right? Who who does that? Who makes that decision? And who forces you uh, to? commit to that, where she had the right of her medical leave. And so we we have experienced that far too long. And this gives the opportunity. And as I was listening to Angela, I thought about uh, former U.S. Supreme Court Judge Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Many people don't know that she fought for women to be able to serve in the military and to bear children and to marry uh, just on the eve of Roe versus Wade, she was fighting for us. So I've always honored her existence and what she did. Her husband was a veteran, and so she had that internal knowledge of what our women were facing when it came to being impregnated and giving up your career. And of course, Angela served in the in the army, which was much more harsher. Uh, it informed women that gave birth. It was automatically, you got pregnant, you either aborted that child or you gave up your career. And so many people didn't know that about Judge Ginsburg, but she was the one that pushed for us to have that right to serve, have children, and to marry, if that was our choice. So I wanted wanted to say that because I'm always giving honor to those trailblazers. And we, as you said, we didn't get here by ourselves. There are many women that were never given recognition, and we're standing on their shoulders. Uh, this morning, we honored a Army WAC, and they did not get acknowledgement when they came home uh, during the Vietnam War. They they enlisted, they served, and guess what? They got nothing. And, and, you know, we were honored to honor her this morning on our clubhouse room. So as I sit here, I get emotional because these are the stories that we don't talk about. My goal for this project wasn't just to to bring awareness. I I wanted it to be what I knew that we needed. Many of the women only had to ask one time, Um, and I'll say Angela. Angela had her story written in 48 hours. She said, yes, there are women that are waiting to let it out they've submerged it they've suppressed it far too long they tried to dismiss it but even as you ask tanya what part of that experience gave you what you need to be who you are today And we have to look back and say if that hadn't happened for me i perhaps would not show up for myself the way that i do now i perhaps would not be an advocate so My desire is to put this book in every VA medical center. There's 172 VA medical centers around the country. And uh, to have this uh, two chapters, I'm sorry, two books in each VA medical center for women when they are inpatient. And uh, second to that, and it's already happened, uh, what I desire to happen, God brought into fruition this week. So as I'm working at an Army Reserve unit here in Austin, Texas, I had the opportunity to sit with five female uh, Army personnel, and we talked. We talked about demanding respect. We talked about how they're being treated. We talked about their experiences. Now, what's good for me now, post-uniform, is that I'm no threat to anyone. And so I become magnet in conversation where they know they can get that release. That was an open door for them. I've equally um, gotten uh, permission this week to do something that I wanted this book to be a part of: our ROTC programs for the women that are in the education What's system. The they have a desire to enlist. They're afraid to enlist. They're afraid of what they've heard. They're afraid of what they see. Right? I've asked each mm-hmm. and every one of our co-authors be willing to be mentors for them. I think we do that well in the corporate world but we don't do that for our sisterhood that's coming behind us that we know chances are they're going to deal with us off the chain they're going to deal with the commanders that are saying oh you got to do this or, or you're be dear, lift of duty. Well, guess what? We know better now. We know that there are some laws. And, and so to be that mentor, uh, that they will have a spouse like Kern Cherry to say, oh, wow, what do I do? How do I do this? How do I migrate? I'm having to give up my career. What words of encouragement? And I tell you, Karen's going to give them five other ways to get streams of income. That's what she's going to do, right? You may have to get that, though. But let me tell you what you do over here. In the meantime, Karen's going to be the connected that says, "Look, honey, no, you can do this. You can do that." And and so I want to shout out for Coach. Been a friend for over 20 years. Met her when I was just recently retired at Keesler Air Force Base in Mississippi, and uh, she's the, she's the push, she's the wind under beneath my wing for this project. Um, yeah, so thank you, dear friend. Thank you for believing in me, and I want to also mm-hmm. say this, Tanya, I couldn't do this by myself. during some of my lowest days, when I took this project on, I thought it would be fast forward, it was going in the speed of light, it didn't happen. Every hiccup that we could have possibly had, we had. Some of these women stayed with me. They prayed me through. When I was going through my divorce, on the, on, you know, just on the verge of giving up in so many ways, there was Angela that said, "Von, we're going to do this. You got this. Give yourself grace. And many of the other co-authors, they reached out. They said, give yourself some time. Like, right? You You can't. You know, you're showing up for other people, but you got to make sure that you're good for yourself. And so they yeah. were patient. Uh, So it's been great, and I didn't see volume two, but people have already let me know that they're part of volume two. So we currently have seven authors that, uh, yeah, so the job form, I think Felice has dropped that for us, the job Mm -hmm. form for volume two is there. And uh, yeah, so encouraging our female veterans that come back home and they don't do what they know is necessary. And that's continued that healing process to know that that time of service wasn't for naught. And to be able to talk about it, so many women healed through this process. So many women found a sisterhood, a collaboration, uh, a circle of prayer. We've got one that... She's not here today, but she's become our group chaplain. I told her she's the chaplain of the group because every morning she's posting words of encouragement. She's posting songs of, of praise and worship. And it's been dynamic. It really has. So I'm honored that you would allow us to share your platform. And Tanya Blackwood, thank you for your time of service and the commitment that you gave on behalf of our country as well. Bless you.
0: Thank you so much. I know you know you you can put the number at eight because I'm gonna share my story of the nineteen year old that was completely lost in her life and 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 found structure and discipline and and a few other emotions while i was <laughs> while I was in there. so I'm looking forward to volume two um This has been a blessing um just to have you all here and to to read your stories. Um, to find out just a little bit more, I think I had said to Angela, I feel like I already I've known her from before. Um, it's probably because you were one of the, the soldiers that was with me in my journey and, and you're just so familiar to me. But I, I really just have the utmost respect for all of you and to be aligned with you on this project and and help share your story on this platform means the world to me. So best believe volume two, I expect to get a call that you will be sharing on Horizon and shine as well. So many of you have some awesome projects going on. We have uh, trainers, we have event visionaries, we have authors, we have career specialist experts, HR experts, leadership experts. Vaughn, you don't play. When you bring a group of people together, it's power in this group. And I believe that this project will be blessed because of that, because it comes from a very special place. Um, so I thank you all for sharing your time with us. I encourage you to share this broadcast on all your groups, all the streams that you have so that you can get the ROI that you deserve out of this experience. And, I thank all of you folks for joining us today. Please share this as well, so that other people will be encouraged. The you know, the thought of mentoring each other, soldiers, and that experience—man, if I'd have had that back then, right? So, right, we push forward um, in such a positive way with this project and many more to come. Karen. I wish you a successful event. It's coming up at the end of this month, and um, I'm sure we'll see you on the platform, you and some of your speakers. And I invite any one of you other women that want to contact me um, for Arise and Shine, you know, Stories of Triumph. Just let me know and we'll share your story. Our stories are not for us. I want to say that in parting for everyone that's joining us and those that have watched the replay. Our stories are not for us. The power and the courage for you to let go of your story and share it with the rest of the world is what makes the world the place that it is. So as my very good friend, Felice, will tell you, be the light, be the light and share your story. I wish you all an amazing week, a blessed weekend. Go get the book and I'll see you next
5: time. Have a good one.